0: Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast. My name is James and I'm the pastor here at Sara Fellowship. We are an international church in the Kingdom of Bahrain and this is our midweek audio-only teaching. We don't gather for a midweek service as you might have done in some other churches that you've been a part of. So every Tuesday morning we put out an audio-only teaching anywhere you get your podcasts where we are seeking to know and grow in God's Word. We've been doing this for a couple of years now. We started right at the beginning, Genesis 1. We've worked all the way through Genesis and Exodus. And today, we're going to have a little bit of an introduction. We're going to have a quick talk about the book of Leviticus. Now, I'm not sure about you, but when you look at your Christian brothers and sisters' social media feeds, when you open up Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you prefer to look at. You don't often see verse images or snapshots of people's open Bibles to the book of Leviticus. You don't often see people posting verses from Leviticus. So from the outside looking in, there's a big disconnect between us and this book, isn't there? It's generally split into two. The first half of the book is about rituals and things that God's people had to do in this place and at this time, lots of laws, lots of very particular and peculiar to us uh, ways of doing stuff. The second half of the book is very ethical. Uh, God's people should be doing this and they shouldn't uh, be doing that. So, when we come to Leviticus, it can feel like there's quite a big disconnect we don't have first-hand, we often don't have first-hand knowledge and experience of the stuff that's been described, and so it it can feel like it's not very relevant to us. And all of that to say, it's not a very commonly read book, is it? It's not a very uh, popular book of the Bible. It's not often uh, preached through. It's very seldom used in kids' church or devotionals. It's not a very... um, Yeah, it's not very popular, is it, to read, but there is a huge purpose to this book. There is a very strong purpose uh, to this book, and it teaches us a great deal about lots of things. Uh, As with the other books right at the beginning of your Bible, in the Pentateuch, the first five books uh, of the Bible, it's best to see Moses as the primary source Uh, the person who collected and collated all these records. Maybe he didn't put pen to paper on every single uh, chapter and verse, as we would call it, but Moses was the guy who arranged, uh, recorded, and um, brought these books into being. And the story picks right up from the end of Exodus. If you turn back one page in your Bible, we're going to see the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord dwelling in in the midst of his people as we talked about last week and then Leviticus 1.1 says the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting so God's presence is dwelling in the midst of his people in the middle of the community but there is still a disconnect God is speaking to Moses from the tent there is a there's, there's distance between the people and God because as, as we know, being people just like the people we read about in the Bible, people are sinful and impure. People are fallen, people are fallible. And our sin puts distance between us and God. God in his essence is, is life and love and he is holy. He is separate and distinct. And there is no darkness, no sin in him. Yet there is in us, and this creates a disconnect, this creates distance between us and God. Evidenced here, God's presence is in his community, yes, but there is still a distance. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. And the book of Leviticus gave the people, and gives us a wonderful preview of, a framework, a method on how this distance is closed, how God's people, how sinful and corrupt people, like those we read of in Leviticus and like you and me, how sinful and corrupt people can live in God's presence, even though he is so holy and separate and distinct and righteous and pure, clean, as we're going to read a few times in this book. So yes, there is... A gap between us and the book of Leviticus. We don't experience a lot of this kind of stuff firsthand. We don't have experience of a lot of these practices and these rituals and these symbols that the community was adopting. But like them, we are sinful and fallen and fallible people who want to be in God's presence, but we can't because of the sin in our life and His altogether holy and separate and distinct essence and nature and person and being. And in this place and at this time, this is about 1400 BC, the book of Leviticus was the method. The book of Leviticus, these rituals, these sacrifices, these ethics, this was how sinful people could be in the presence of God. This was their framework. This was their method of dealing with, accounting for, atoning for, covering their sin. Now, we know, don't we? We don't live under this same covenant, this same relationship agreement with God that they did. So, as we move through Leviticus and talk about very particular and specific sacrifices and offerings and rituals... And symbols and practices that the the people here, God's people adopted, each of them is going to point us in some way, shape, or form to the finished work of Jesus on the cross that allows us now, as sinful, corrupt, fallen, fallible people, to be in God's presence. Just as The Levitical laws and, again, the rituals, uh, the, the practices, the symbols that the community adopted then allowed them to be in God's presence. We know now, don't we, that it's through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So Leviticus meant a great deal to the people in this place at this time, and it should do for us as well because it points us forward in many, many different ways to the work of Jesus. Lots of people come to the book of Leviticus and think, well, I'm a New Testament believer, I'm a New Covenant believer, I don't need to pay attention to any of these things. What does Leviticus have to do with me and the church today? And in a a way, to a degree, to a small degree, that's correct, The, the sacrificial system here of covering, atoning for sin, through a substitutionary death of, 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 of an animal, or burning this and offering that, the sacrificial system, yes, has stopped for God's people. It was fulfilled. It wasn't pointless at the time. It was, that was how their sin was covered for at the time. That was all a preview, a foreshadow, again, of the work of Jesus. So that system, that method of having sin covered, atoned for, has been fulfilled in Jesus. We read a lot about that in the book of Hebrews. But again, as we move through, we study these, these particular and specific sacrifices, the rituals, the, the, the practices, the symbols that the community adopted. We're going to see so many different aspects of and angles of the work of Jesus. And there is more to Leviticus than ritual sacrificial laws. There are lots of ethical laws, moral laws, things that we ought to do and ought not to do. And yes, the specifics are gonna be very different. We're not an agricultural culture where everybody owns land and, and, and animals. and You know, our lives are different, but the, the, the ethics are very, very similar, aren't they? If not exactly the same. Yeah. And again, you know, Peter writes, quoting from Leviticus that New Covenant believers, New Testament believers, like you, like me, should be holy as God is holy. So the standard there, the expectation, the need to be holy, to be righteous, to be in God's presence, that need is still there. Yes, the method of how we get there is different. We're not under this Levitical system of of, of priests and sacrifices and rituals our righteousness comes through f- faith in Jesus alone but again as we work through Leviticus we're going to see all these different things we're going to see moral laws we're going to see sacrificial laws we're going to see societal laws how God's people were told to live in order to be separate and distinct holy we could say from the communities around them So the key things we're going to see in Leviticus, the key themes in this book, God is holy, God is separate, God is distinct, yet he wants to be present among his people. So his people need to admit their sin, need to admit that they are impure compared to the purity of God. We need to work towards personal holiness. Yes, it's going to look different for God's people in this place and at this time that we're going to read about in the book of Leviticus. We go about it a different way, but the theme of God is holy, you are not, we've got to bridge that gap, is still very relevant. In the middle of the book, chapter 16 and 17, we're going to talk about the Day of Atonement, this everything else in the year, maybe something was missed, maybe it wasn't done quite well enough or just done enough we're going to see this one time, this hugely important total cleansing of sins and uncleanness and impurity for the whole community when everything is purified. We're going to see that once a year, and that's going to point us so strongly, so clearly to the work of Jesus on the cross. And we're going to see throughout Leviticus that atonement, sin covering acceptance, forgiveness, redemption comes through the grace of God. And one last thing before we wrap it up today. We said that Leviticus 1.1 began, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So there's this distance, there's this problem. God is holy, people are not. We need a framework. We need a a method of uh, bridging the gap, of covering the sin The next book of the Bible, if you turn forward to the end of Leviticus and then over the page to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 1, verse 1, says, The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting. So at the start of Leviticus, God's presence is in the community. We talked a lot in Exodus about the tabernacle, where the presence of God is going to be located, how it was all going to look, and why. Okay, the presence is there, but actually people are sinful, and we can't be in God's presence while our sin is unaccounted for. He is so holy and just and righteous and pure and clean that he can't be in the presence of sinners and we are sinners so we need a method there needs to be a framework there needs to be something done to bridge that gap to cover the sin to allow us to be personally in god's presence and for god's people in this place at this time that was the book of leviticus this was how it 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 was going to happen we get to the end of the book the narrative continues for god's people in this place at this time and the book of numbers begins god spoke to Moses in the tent. So after everything that's happened in the book of Leviticus, as this narrative is playing itself out in this place and at this time, we see that the book of Leviticus works. Moses is now in the presence of God. And the principle there is absolutely true for you and me now. God wants to dwell in our communities. We talked on Friday about in, in first Corinthians about God's presence dwells now in the church in the in the in the lives of his gathered saints, believers, Christians. But for us to personally individually enter into God's presence, our sin must be accounted for. No, it's not the book of Leviticus anymore it's not the rituals, the sacrifices, the symbols, the practices it's not that stuff anymore. It's faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross who fulfills, who encapsulates, who brings together everything that we're going to see in the book of Leviticus. And that's why it's going to be a great journey for us this next few weeks and months. So there's going to be a new episode, a new chapter, a new teaching every Tuesday morning and I really hope that you will join us. So until next week with Leviticus chapter 1, God bless.